This episode of the St. Clair Speak Show podcast was previously recorded. Stream all episodes of the St. Clair Speak Show podcast now streaming on LinkedIn Live, Audible, iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcast, Overcast, Radio Public, YouTube. This is the St. Clair Speak Show. Hey guys, it's your hobby, David. St. Clair Speaks, and you are now tuned in to the St. Clair Speak Show. You are now tuned in to the St. Clair Speak Show. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the St. Clair Speaks Show podcast. I'm your host, Yahavi St. Clair. Now, guys, we are sitting here with another impactful, incredible guest who's changing lives through writing. That's right, through writing, selling through words, the written word itself. I have the honor to sit down with uh, Cole Schaefer. Now, I'm excited because I know that a strong caption could sell a product and and sell a service. Now, if you're flawed in the area of maybe copywriting and content writing and trying to figure out how to talk about your product through the written word, this is the episode for you. Without further ado, Cole, I want to definitely welcome you on the St. Clair Speaks Show podcast, but if you will, please give our audience a three to five minute introduction on yourself, your brand, your business, and of course, what brings you on to the St. Clair Speaks Show podcast. Sure thing, man. Yeah, no, I'm stoked to be here. Um, yeah, my name's Cole. I run a creative writing shop called Honey Copy, uh, where I work with brands of all shapes and sizes on uh, selling, selling their products with pretty words. So sometimes that's uh, brands like Bowflex. Other times that's brands you've never heard of before. It might be a uh, designer out of uh, you know somewhere in Chattanooga, Tennessee that that makes uh, leather products and what they do and, and what to uh, write some, some killer copy for them. So yeah, that's kind of my day job, you know, is just writing advertising. And then uh, by night I uh, actually write poetry. So I have uh, two books of poetry and prose out right now uh, in a third book releasing uh, here in about a month. And that's all under an alias, which I will be kind of releasing in a month. Uh, so yeah, I do a little bit of everything and I've just found, uh, over my four or five year career, I haven't been doing it a ton, but I found that the poetry kind of informizing and then the advertising, like the lessons I learned in advertising, uh, makes it easier to, uh, sell my poetry to the masses, you know, whether that's uh, in book form or, or whatever. So, so yeah. So Cole, I want you to kind of walk us through this a little bit. Like, where did you find this inspiration for writing? Is this like two, five years, 10 years? Like how far does this go back? Dude, sure. So for me, man, it started right after uh, sort of senior year of college, uh, first year out of college was when I started really falling in love with writing. Uh, And I describe it almost as a feeling of like, I I suddenly started writing one day and then I just never stopped. You know, it just it just was something that felt like I was born, like put on this earth to do. Uh, and I think when you have that conviction, uh, it becomes almost possible not to to follow that path. And so, yeah, I've been writing since uh, you know professionally since about 20, 20, 23, and you know now I'm twenty seven, so I'm going on about five years. That's deep. That's deep. So like, I mean, it does have, I'm sure it does have a backstory. So it's like, walk us through the writing process for you every day. Okay. You know, you have a, say you have an empty schedule, right? It's Monday. 
and it's just you and the pen, right? You have a pen, you have a notepad. What's that creative process like that? I, I, I kind of want to get in your head here and, and see what, what kind of like sparks that inspiration for you to just go. Mm -hmm. So, so for me, like I generally like writing, there's, there's kind of two schools of thought around creativity. Um, and, and I suppose like where it concerns writing, but also music or, uh, art or painting or whatever, there's this idea that like creativity is this lightning strike where you feel inspiration and then you go create. Right. Um, which I think is like really beautiful if, if you are pursuing art as a hobbyist, but unfortunately when you are a professional that is, uh, writing as a profession or painting as a profession or doing music as a, as a profession or a vocation, you can't rely on lightning to strike. Instead, you have to rely on consistency. So in a lot of ways, and it, it it's not going to sound super romantic, but I approach writing the same way a plumber might approach his job or a mechanic might approach his job. I show up to the desk every day at uh, eight or nine o'clock in the morning, I sit down, I start writing, whether I feel inspired, whether I feel like I'm the worst writer in, in the world that day, whether I feel like I have a masterpiece in me, I just sit down and I write. And um, I, I think that by establishing that routine and almost that clock in, clock out, sort of hard hat mentality, uh, you, 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 you put in enough hours and that allows uh, time for magic to happen. Right. And so I think like where a lot of young creatives approach the craft from, from the wrong direction is that they, they'll, they'll think like, I can't write because I'm never inspired. Right. Or I'm not, I'm not having enough inspiration. I kind of call bullshit on that because I think it is, uh, taking yourself off the hook a little bit. It's like, you know, if you want to be, think about it, like if you're going in to get surgery, right. Um, there's, do you really want a surgeon who says, I only do surgery like when I'm feeling inspired? You know, no, not at all. Because like you might have a heart attack and you need him to do surgery on day, right? And whether that motherfucker is inspired or not inspired, you want him to step up to the plate and do the do a good job, right? I think that writing is this that that same mentality, especially when you're approaching it from a professional standpoint. Like at the end of the day, my clients need work done, right? I have a promise to my readers and my subscribers that I'm going to send out an email every single week, whether I'm fucking feeling inspired or whether I'm feeling like I'm the worst writer in, in the world, that promise is greater than any of those insecurities and fears and anxieties and stuff. Yo, that is, I love that analogy with, with like with the doctor and the surgeon. That is just, that's deep. So walk us through, you know, your, you're teaching 15,000 uh, entrepreneurs how to sell and market through written word. What is it like from the coach's side? You know, you have this, you have this passion for writing, right? And now you've turned that into a profession where you're getting paid and now you're coaching people. What's that like from the coaching aspect? Sure. So yeah, honey copy is kind of split into two, two streams of income. One is client facing where I'm the actual freelancer doing the work for a brand like Bowflex and writing the copy for one of their, their sales pages or a slogan or whatever. The other side of that, the other bucket of, of revenue is actually teaching uh, other entrepreneurs, other marketers, other copywriters how to how to write copy. Uh, and that's done in, in a few ways. One is actually through my courses. Um, one is called Snow Cones. And it's just this uh, web page with, with just 
everything that I know about copywriting distilled into like a really distinct 10 to 12,000 word guide. And um, it's been super helpful to a lot of entrepreneurs. There's been like 17, uh, or 1,700 entrepreneurs that have bought that. But I also offer a free version, which is essentially sticky notes. It's just a weekly newsletter. Uh, and I show up each week and I talk about my life in writing, right? And I talk about the projects I'm working on. I'm talking about, like I talk about the lessons that I've learned. Uh, I actually show them work. So that's one thing that kind of pisses me off about a lot of coaches is they'll they'll get on LinkedIn and talk all this inspirational talk, but they'll never point to the actual work that they're doing. Uh, in my opinion, the best way to coach people, the, the best way to inspire people is to inspire them through the work you're doing. So when I roll out another project for, for a brand, that's going out to that newsletter. And I'm talking about like, hey, for this headline, this was kind of the mentality I was in. This is what I was thinking. This is why I use this language. If you go down a little bit further, you know, this is why I included like this story and like kind of the strategies behind that. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, it, it brings me a lot of, and I think with that, when you commit to, to, when you commit your life to a specific craft, coaching people allows you to continue to master that craft. Um, so in a way I kind of like treat it as like my own education too. I'm kind of learning with them as I go. You make, you make two powerful points that you mentioned. I kind of want to piggyback from you mentioned um, maybe three, uh, the newsletter, emailing and LinkedIn. Right. And when you, when you, when you mentioned LinkedIn, I automatically just thought of LinkedIn articles, right? right. And are, are, are you teaching uh, these entrepreneurs how to build this online presence through LinkedIn articles? Like what's that like for on LinkedIn? Yeah, uh, no, LinkedIn is, is more so like, uh, so let's, so over on my, over on honeycopy.com, uh, each week I put out between three and five articles. Sometimes they might be about advertising. Other times they might be about like a really badass brand like Airbnb doing something cool. Uh, so I write those articles, then I republish them on LinkedIn. So I like drop them over on LinkedIn just so I'm like kind of cross publishing, getting them in front of more eyes. Um, more so like the reference I was making towards LinkedIn is if you get on LinkedIn and you scroll, uh, you'll eventually see something called broetry, uh, which is sort of a, uh, a derogatory term towards uh, quote unquote thought leaders who get on there and they might not have any life experience, but they're, they're like trying to be Tony Robbins impersonators and like hype people up. And I think there's room for that, but I think there's also room for, you know, people like you, people like me who are out doing the work, doing the podcast interviews, writing the articles and showing up and saying, Hey, I'm not going to tell you how to fucking live your life, but instead I'm going to serve as like this point of inspiration uh, by showing you that I'm actually doing the work on a daily basis versus telling you how to do the work, if that makes any sense. Oh, it definitely. Make, it makes a lot of sense, man. Inspired through action. I, it's one of the most powerful things, right? Just taking action and, you know, just, just pushing an agenda for it. And, and I like the point that you make. And I kind of want to piggyback off on when you mentioned the newsletter, right? There's a lot of money in I'm learning, I'm learning right off the bat in email marketing, right? So creating us, creating these newsletters, right? You know, I have a podcast and I don't currently do the whole newsletter thing where I'm right. email marketing and I'm writing these newsletters. I kind of want you to kind of like grab the bull by the horns here and, and just tell me 
of course, you could definitely tell me what I'm missing out on with mm -hmm. you know consistent newsletters to my community. Or and for the listeners too, or anyone else that's listening that's not doing newsletters, how can we grow from that? Yeah, man. So I think that the power in email marketing uh, and specifically email list building is when when so when you look at social media uh, like Twitter or Instagram. Uh, I've, I've had to put in a lot of work to grow uh, an Instagram following. Same with LinkedIn. Like it's taken a lot of a lot of time and energy to get to the point where I have like a decent following on both of those platforms. But I don't own that following, right? Because at any point in time, Instagram or LinkedIn can say, hey, we're changing up the algorithm. And now all of a sudden, only 25% of Cole's audience gets to see what he's creating. Uh, which is extremely unfair uh, as a creative and as a creator, but it's not my call, right? I, I don't own it. And uh, it's it's the same idea as like you go out and you're renting a house or a apartment from somebody else. You are essentially building a life on someone else's property, which there there's times in your life where that's like super, super necessary, right? Like I, I've spent a lot of my life renting, like when I was in college, after college. Um, but you also get to this place where you're like, I want to kind of like own my own shit. And that is kind of what an email list is, in my opinion. When you're on Twitter and you're building a thousand person audience, you're building your house on somebody else's property. Whereas with an email list, uh, if you get a thousand people to give you their email, that is now your property, right? You They've given you permission. To email. You have those thousand names. Uh, uh, Instagram can't come in and say, Hey, you know what? We're just not gonna, we're, we're not going to feed Cole shit into like more people's eyes. You own that list and you can email them as much or as little as you want. And as long as like you're being, uh, creative with how you're, you're talking and you're, you're being compelling with your words, like you're able to really hammer that list or whatever. Um, so I, I like the idea of like building an email list just because like, in a way, in, to use like a metaphor, it's like you building your own home on the land versus building a home on someone else's land or like renting from someone else who can raise the rent, who can charge, who can do whatever, right? And so what I would tell you is like as a podcaster, you're getting like these downloads, these listens, you're building like a listenership, right? Um, and you own your podcast, which is like dope. Like you own all your your episodes, but I would even take a step further and say, why not at the end of every podcast be like, yo, uh, I run uh, every Friday, I run a newsletter where I share like one of the most inspiring quotes that I heard that week, or I share like one of the most inspiring articles or just cool shit that I've, that I've seen, whether it's a dope song or whether it's uh, a really badass movie or like a inspirational documentary. I just share it in the email and I send it out to you. You should totally subscribe, you know, and you, you brand it, you give it a name, whether that's like, uh, you know, uh, St. St. Clair's collective or whatever. And then you build that email list off of the back of your podcast so that down the road, once you decide, all right, I don't want to do the podcast shit anymore. And thousand person audience that you've built that you have their emails that you can hammer them away like you can if you want to launch a new product if you want to come write a book if you want to start a business whatever now you have a captive audience that you can put that in front of and be like yo remember all the times you've listened to my podcast do you remember all the times like i sent you emails every friday like now i'd like a favor from you do you mind like just checking out this product and sharing it 
so that's 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 why I think e building an email list is so important. Yeah, Yo, you made you made such a good point. I'm like, hold on, I need to write that down. Mm -hmm. I had to get a piece of paper and pen. But uh, you hit you hit really spot on. It's like, hey, when you the analogy when you compare it to Twitter and like you know your Twitter profile or it's Clubhouse, Instagram, whatever. Hypothetically speaking, this profile gets deleted. Where are these people going? Right, you're not collecting right. these emails, and now it's like, oh wait, like you could really hit these people in the email, uh, whether it's through newsletter, and you could consistently market. That's dope. I, I really love that. I really love that transition right there. That's dope. So, kind of like tell us a little bit more on like your your not just your why, but what is the overall goal of this? What you know, we we know you we know you're in the business. You're making a name for yourself, but. We want to know why and what's the overall goal in five to 10 years or 20 years from now, where do you see this going for you? Uh, I mean, so I, I think that I'm, I'm definitely someone that with my career, like I want to be, uh, you know, the great, the, one of the greatest to ever do it, like in my generation, I think like if you're not approaching your vocation with that mentality, whether or not you ever get there, you're just, approaching it the wrong way like i think that that's something that a lot of young people don't uh comprehend and i don't mean to sound like an old geezer or anything because like I'm, I'm i'm 28 like i'm young too but it took me a long time to wrap my mind around this idea that like when i turn like kind of 23 i'm 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 young technically but like you are killing yourself for something right like literally the moment we're born or we sort of start dying in a, in a weird way. And every year that we're dedicating our lives to something, whether that's going out and like fucking partying, right? Which is which is like, I've, I've, I was in Tampa for three weeks and I was uh, grinding hard and like working my ass off, but like I was partying with like my homies and having a great ass time, right? I, I think there's room for that. But like, I think something we also have to recognize is that if we're spending an entire year like in school because school's important to us, we have essentially said we're sacrificing a year of our life for this thing, right? Same with like a romantic relationship. Like we're sacrificing two years of our life at the chance to like build this thing with, with someone special. We're, we're sacrificing five years of our lives to move up the corporate ladder at this company we believe in. And I think when you start weighing your choices in that way, where it's not just like, Hey, I'm taking a job somewhere. It's not just like, Hey, I want to become a writer. It's, no, I'm killing off my youth at the chance to like make this thing happen. All of a sudden, everything starts taking like a much heavier weight to it. And that's something like I recognized early on with writing in that like, I basically said, I'm willing, I'm willing to sacrifice my youth, like my 20s, my 30s, my 40s at the chance to like become really fucking great at, at writing, at that vocation. Like I'm sacrificing my life in a lot of ways to do that. Um, and so like, I think if you're approaching anything with the mentality that like, you know, I'm just like in it, you know, in it to play, to have fun, like, you know, that might be good for some people, but it's just not, it's just not my mentality. You know, like I'm in it for fucking keeps. Like I'm in it because like, I want to be great. I want to make a lot of money doing it. I want people to tattoo, uh, my fucking poetry to their skin. Like I want to be, I want to be a fucking boss at this shit, you know? And, and I'm, and I'm, putting in like i'm sacrificing my youth years of my life to to do that you know so to answer your question like 
I, I want people to look back on my career in 10, 20, 30 years and be like, yeah, Cole was kind of like Cole, Cole, like it, during that, that, that era, you know, uh, the, the, the roaring twenties, if you will, um, like Cole was kind of that voice, you know, he was, he was, he was coming at it. And dude, I say that. And I also recognize like, I might not ever get there, but I think the whole reason there's no reason to do this. If that's like not the mentality you're having, like given, given it your all, you know, thank you for streaming this episode of the St. Clair speaks so podcast. Don't forget to visit stclairspeaks.com and order your copy of my first book, Sweats to Suits, available now in Kendall and paperback edition. If you want to be my next guest, or you know my next guest, refer, give me a referral, and I will sponsor your business in an ad segment just like this. Visit stclairspeaks.com and learn more about the St. Clair Speaks Show podcast proposal. It's that time. That's fucking deep, bro. That was not it's spot on, though, man. Hey, yo, look, we're we're not we're not, we don't do this for our participation trophies. Now, I want to wow. ask you. I want to ask you about you know the poetry. I kind of want to like dabble back a little bit. How long have you been doing poetry? And also, my second question, following that, with this recent pandemic, has the inspiration and these new ideas? Because I I don't want this to sound. I don't want anyone listening to this say, oh man, uh, that's kind of like fucked up. Like, is it because of all of this darkness going on in 2020? W was there more spark of inspiration there as far as recently with the last year of uh, just poetry writing? Uh, maybe, maybe a little bit, right? So like my first book of, of poetry and, and prose was, uh, was called One Minute, Please. Um, and that was released under my own name, Cole, just Cole Schaefer. Um, and that sold really well, you know, it sold, uh, for my first book, you know, five, six, seven hundred copies, um, which isn't New York Times numbers, but like as an indie publisher where I'm not signed under a, a a publishing house, but I'm doing it all under my own name so that I can keep like all the dough, right? Like that's like pretty good number. That was my, that was really just like my, my step into that genre. Um, but that was like pre-pandemic, right? And then, so then the pandemic strikes um, and that you know just a really dark time i think for like a lot of people uh you know like i i ended up having you know a, a breakup with a woman that i in a lot of ways thought like i was gonna marry you know because she was living in uh colorado and i was living here in nashville tennessee and like we couldn't get on planes to see each other you know like that's now we're talking like about some real shit, you know where uh someone who you think could be the love of your life like you can't uh you know, that ends over a pandemic, you know? Uh, but like, as soon as I get into that place of like, woe is me and like, oh, Cole has it bad. I was just watching a uh, last chance use uh, basketball uh, edition. I don't know if you've checked that out. Um, like I hooped in, in high school and a little bit in college. And, and so like, I kind of resonate with like a lot of those kids, like journeys in the grind and like loving like the sport. But uh, in this, the last chance you like basketball edition that they did, uh, not to like, this is kind of a spoiler alert. So if you haven't seen it, like, you know, maybe tune out, but basically like these kids fucking kill it for an entire season at this community college. And then they get to the final game. So the championship game pandemic hits and like, they can't play the game. They can't play the game. It's done. They, they, they literally were, were, were going to be champions. And we're talking about kids who are, we're talking about like black kids who have have like this is their only fucking way out if they get to the championship game they're gonna be in front of scouts they have the chance to 
go on to D2 Division I colleges. They have the chance to uh, get their fucking education paid for, like legit have just a huge step up like in their future. Uh, and then this pandemic hits and they're fucked, right? And thankfully, like they had a great coach who was also a great scout who was getting them in in the right places, getting them to have like the right conversations with the right colleges. But there's going to be kids from that team that that like one that 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 one unfortunate event of like the pandemic hitting is going to impact like at least the next decade of their life. And so I think that sometimes when we go through bad shit, like there has to be this other degree of empathy where we're like, all right, yeah, like I, I had a really bad breakup. But man, like the 22 year old kid who now doesn't have like a scholarship because the pandemic kept him from playing his championship basketball game. Like that's a whole nother area of suffering that I can't comprehend. Right. Uh, that's on a completely different level. Yeah. It's not romantic heartbreak, but it's like life heartbreak, dream heartbreak. And so around the pandemic, I released a a book of poetry and prose that was actually released digitally. And I'd made it, uh, essentially free, but I just said, you know, pay what you want. And some people paid like a hundred dollars for it. Then there were other people who couldn't afford anything and they just paid me a dollar or $3 or whatever. And that was kind of like my, it was definitely an angsty book of, of poetry and prose, like talking about my breakup, but it was also like my hope to make light of like a lot of the darkness going in the world at that time, you know, because that's, that was the bitch in the pandemic, you know, and it still is, is like it put a lot of people's dreams on hold, you know, and, and, uh, and yeah, yeah. Oh man, that was, that was deep, man. It's funny. Cause before we even started recording, I was telling you my life story. I'm like, yo, Cole, yeah. man, like I had this and this happened to me and I'm just looking at my life. Like, nah, it's time to get this shit together. But right. like, you know, what's so, it, you know, what's so crazy, man. Like I look at everything as a blessing in disguise, man. Like I'm so glad to, to, you know, do this interview. And I'm thinking about what you just said earlier in the interview about like, yo, you got to show up, right? It, it, like fuck inspiration. Oh, yeah. You got to show up. So even before doing this, we know we hear this little voice, you know, in our head sometimes like, oh, you're tired, you're laggy, you don't want to do this, you don't do this. And I'm like, yo, fuck it, bro. Turn on the mic, turn on the video, let's pop on this interview, let's get this shit popping, let's inspire true. people, man, because, so true. you know, like, you know, in, in, inspired by action, man, I've, you know, I wrote my first book, you know, for the last few years, this pandemic came and I'm like, this is the perfect time to launch a book, right? And um, just the inspiration behind writing kind of like, it kind of went for me a little bit but then it kind of like died down and like right. I was trying to find the passion for it again. Then I just started questioning stuff and just thinking about what you said. It's like, man, like, yeah, you got to show up. You, you got to show up and you got to yeah, ask yeah, yourself, are you up. passionate about these things? Right. So am I as passionate as Cole is as he is for poetry or writing? Probably not. Right. You're always going to have someone that's a little bit more passionate about, about these different things, but to, to see how you're using, this inspiration around you in, in different sources to kind of like elevate what you're doing. I just think it's really beautiful. Are you also, and I want you know, definitely tell the audience, but I want to know my next question, staying on the poetry topic. Like, what do you like? Is how t tell us a little bit more. Like, is it, is it dark? Is it romantic? Is it like suicidal? Cause like, like what, what, what is it about? Like, tell us about this poetry, like different genres. Man, it's, it, yeah, it, it explores all kinds of, of genres. And, um, you know, some of it, man, is like uh, very romantic and sexual and about like falling in love. Other uh, other parts of it is exploring topics where I'm, 
you know, falling out of love and, 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 and going through like a really hard breakup, you know, other times, man, it's just about like life, uh, life experiences, you know, and, and, and I've, I've been fortunate to have like some really interesting life experiences and like, um, and I think like, it's, I think like my, the, the line with it all is just trying to get people to, um, pay, pay attention isn't the right word, but see like ordinary moments in life as extraordinary, because I think that that's a lot of times where we lose sight of, of happiness, right? Because all of a sudden, like we're going out, you get on Instagram and it's like, like, it's why it's so hard to, to be in a relation. Like you get on Instagram, you, you might be in a happy relationship with a good ass girl and you get on your explorer feed and it's ass, 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 ass. And it might be, it might be the top 1%, the top 0.001% of, uh, beautiful women in the world. And now you have a, you have a feed with, uh, dozens of the dozens of those women on there. Right. And, and unfortunately, like it, it almost, uh, it almost overstimulates us in a way to a point where like now it, now it's hard to like even understand what's realistic and what's normal and like what 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 is happiness and so I think like a lot of like what my poetry is trying to do is like get the core of like happiness is a cup of coffee right happiness is like a really good conversation with a great human being whether that's a girl or a guy right happiness is is like building a relationship with a girl that doesn't have to look like a fucking instagram influencer like she can look normal like me when i don't put on a bunch of filters right or like find the right lighting like this is uh that conversation with uh an uber driver that kind of changes your life at like 10 o'clock at night it's just paying attention and like looking for these like tiny moments in your day that are like packed full of meaning. And that has like brought, I struggle with happiness a lot and that's brought a lot of happiness to me. So I think that that's kind of like the string that attaches all of my, my work is just, just paying the fuck attention to your life and like what's happening on a daily basis and like really leaning into those tiny moments where we normally take it for granted. Like, no, I'm not having my cup of coffee uh, in a Maserati uh, in Los Angeles next to the Hollywood sign, but I'm having like my cup of coffee out on my deck here in Nashville, Tennessee, and it feels great outside. And that's enough, you know, it's enough. And, and I think that that's what I'm trying to do in, in a lot of my work. What's going on guys. It's your hobby, David Sinclair speaks, and you are now tuned in to the Sinclair speak show. If you haven't heard about anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast on platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything that you need in a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app and start your journey today. It's that time. Love it, man. It's a lot of gratitude, man. I recently, um, I recently, I got this from a book. I think it's uh, The Secret. And um, yeah, I got this from the book, you know, writing out like a list of all of the things that you're grateful for. And I recently started doing it and I read this every day to myself and I feel phenomenal every time I finish reading it. But I do have this question for you. And I want to know if you could have, if you, of course, if you could go back in time, of course we can't, 
if you could go back in time and have the conversation, have a conversation with, you know, the 10 year old version of yourself or the 15 version of yourself, what would that conversation be like? And what would you say to yourself in, in those moments? Man, I think, I think it would be just sort of what you just said, the gratitude, like be, be more grateful, you know, and thankfully I, I found that, you know, in my twenties, but you know, I'll tell you like a, a, a story when I was, um, so I went to, uh, uh, a high school in Evansville, in Indiana. It's called Harrison. And it was a great high school to go to. It was like a public school. So you missed out on a lot of like, or you didn't miss out on it. You were exposed to a lot of the real world shit that maybe private schools kind of shrouded you from, right? Where, you know, 50% of my school was on free and reduced lunch, right? There were, there were uh, you know, maybe 40% of the students were white, 40% were black and then another 20% were like me where it was somewhere in between whether they were Asian or his you know Hispanic or Middle Eastern or whatever um and I grew up pooping so I always like played basketball all through elementary middle school and even high school and then for a year in college and um you know when you're on that basketball team like you are exposed to you you realize I think for the first time like damn there's kids that grew up who didn't have it as good as I have it, right? I think like it's a popular opinion, especially, and I hate it among like Ivy League students, but it's like, you know, I went to Harvard and then I like followed my dreams and said, I'm not going to take this job at, uh, at, 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 at fucking, um, like what's some, what's some big ass company, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to take this like hundred thousand dollar financial investment job. I'm going to go build my own company. So I slept on my aunt's basement that's not that's not struggle right i like i grew up in a way where like i would go home and like i was very very blessed to have like a great mom and dad who like stayed together who uh financially did really well who like supported me but i also like played basketball with these kids who would go home and they didn't know what they were having for dinner right they didn't know like they didn't know like how they're going to pay for their books and so there was this like divide and at first like you you have to like you almost feel guilty for having it but instead you almost have to like change the mentality of like having empathy but also realizing like you owe the world something because you've been in like a, you're in a slightly better position and there's no there, it's not fair it's not right and like so anyways like one story that i that i experienced was like one of my really close friends on my basketball team um i can't like say his name but i grew up pooping with him and he was talented as fuck like could have gone on to play d1 basketball we're talking like six seven uh his reach was like damn near seven foot um one of the most talented players i'd ever played with and he got mixed up in the wrong crew and i didn't see him for like three or four years after high school and i ran into him at this open gym where we were just uh, playing basketball like this local gym and he like threw out his arms and you know gave me a hug and like and he was telling me, you know, like I just had my had my son, and he was showing me pictures of him, and he was like, you know, I'm I'm like so uh, I I love this kid more than I've loved anything, and you know, a month later, like he, you know, he was in the Thank <sighs> you.
you know, a month, a month later, he just got shot, you know, cause he was in the, the wrong place at the wrong time. And, um, I think that that's sometimes like a, a world that like, they're not showing, you know, where I, I'm, I'm so grateful to be in the position I'm in, but like, I also have to remember, like, I'm able to be in it because I, I had two great fucking parents. You know, I, I, I like grew up in a neighborhood where I didn't have to worry about that shit. You know, he didn't. And so like, I think there's this other place where like, if you, you make it out or like you um, are fortunate to like go to a school where you, you have your shit together. Right. And like your parents might pay for your college. Like you, you owe it to like the fucking world, man, to like give it all you have, you know? And, um, so yeah, man, like, I don't even know what got there, but like, uh, Oh man. Yo, look, yo, that is, uh, Oh man. Yo. All right. So let me, I'm trying to like, kind of just like switch gears and like kind of like, like kind of change the mood a little bit, but yo, it's deep, man. It's real shit, man. You know, it's real life shit. Like this is, you know, I appreciate you for being vulnerable and, you know, you know, diving into that and answering that question for me, man. I didn't, I didn't know the, 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 the story that it was going to lead into. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I don't want to ask you a question. I, the podcaster in me wants to ask you a question following that, like from the writing side or the poetry side, but the other side of me is like, I think I already kind of know the answer a little bit. Like, does that the question I would ask is like, when that happens, does that, ignite the, the, that internal monster in you when it's time to create, when it's time to write, because you have this passion, you have this emotion, right? And like, does that go into every single project? I don't want to say, hey, do you think about every single bad thing that's happened? Obviously, of course, there's you, there's a lot of good in your life. There's a lot of gratitude, but um, like your, your, your past experiences, not, not saying, hey, it's, I think you touched on this, like uh, survivor's guilt. You know, we have this guilt because we made it out. We you know, whatever the case may be, but you turned that pain into power. You, you got to give yourself credit for that, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it's, I don't even, yeah, I think like his pain and in, in power. I think it's, it's this mix of, uh, you know, obviously like I'm not, um, like I'm not anytime I'm sitting down to write, like if I'm writing a website copy for a industrial shredder company, you know, like I'm not thinking about like my, high school teammate you know like there's there's i think like it's not really there it's just more so like you know when i get into these places you know like for the past week i've had just a horrible like flu and head cold and i'm finally like getting out of it and you know uh you you know when you start thinking about like some of this other shit like damn i like i really have a good you know like i'm really i'm really fucking lucky and like i I owe it to myself and I owe it to a lot of people who haven't been maybe as lucky to like really give this shit my all, you know? And so, um, yeah, I always try to have like a twist on it, you know? Um, and I think with that, you know, like eventually getting to this place where you're, you're figuring out ways to give back. And that's like a, a place I'm really trying to explore, like in my career where I'm, you know, I, I have been lucky to come this far, like at a fairly young age, you know, how can I, how can I give that, that back to, to other people who maybe don't have it as good, you know, or, or have it like in a, like have to go up against a couple more struggles. And like, maybe I, I did, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm, 
I've been really reflecting on that a lot lately, you know, like what, what do you owe, what do you owe the world, you know, in addition to like the work that you're pouring out, you know? Mm. That's very, you know, it's deep. You know, it's funny how you're talking. It's like when I asked you the original question, right? Like, hey, if you could go back in time, I also thought about this as now as you just finished talking, like how would you, you know, you know, use your, your power and your influence to impact the youth now, like this next generation of writers, because this next generation that's coming, oh, they're coming because they, like, you're, it's a complete different era. There's this new level of technology. There's so much different resources. A kid from China or Chicago or Brooklyn could go on Google, find you, contact you for that mentorship. Hey, I want to do what you're doing, but I'm only seven, right? Like, like, like that, that, that's kind of my question for you now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I, with the youth. Yeah, yeah. I would say like, I'd say like I have. So I've never actually like mentored uh, younger riders just because I. I don't know, like, I, I guess I just haven't ever like given that a shot, but that's, that's something I'm, I'm interested in. I think like one thing for a youth that I would love to like do eventually is like try to create some sort of reading program because I don't think like kids, like I didn't start really reading until I was in my twenties and it's such a gift, you know, because it, it teaches empathy, you know, it, it, it creates this hunger in you to learn it. Uh, makes you like ambitious. It allows you to like, you can be like I was growing up in Southern Indiana and maybe a place that wasn't always like super cultured. And you can read a book about like Ernest Hemingway, uh, traveling through Paris. It allows you to transport yourself to another country, even if you don't have the the money or the maturity to do that. Right. It allows you to go back in time. And so I would love to like figure out a way to uh, you know, one day like work with, work with kids where like they can get ex- like, really, really excited about reading. I um, mean, I think unfortunately, you know, when you, when you get on social media today and like, I don't hate social media, I don't, I don't mean it on that way, but like, there's kind of like specific careers that kids get excited about, whether that's like becoming an influencer or, uh, you know, like getting into music, becoming a DJ or producer, like, uh, becoming an artist in that way. Um, you know, become like a professional athlete. And that's awesome. But it's such a tiny percentage of like, like it's so competitive to get there. And I think it'd be really cool to like with through reading, I think it can expose kids to like these other fields where, Hey, like, you know, you might not ever be Instagram famous uh, being a librarian, but talk about a fulfilling fucking career, being able to spend your life, like reading books, you know, uh, Hey, maybe like it's not super cool to like aspire to one day become a professor that like teaches kids math. But if that's your your passion, like go do that thing. Like if you want to become a a coach, a basketball, football, or baseball coach, go do that thing. I think it's kind of like what we were talking about from the beginning with this idea of like finding extraordinary in the ordinary. You know, I think that our culture might need to do that a little bit with like jobs too, and like careers and vocations where. Um, let's not pretend like becoming hey like uh it's way cooler to be you know uh uh luka Doncic right in the nba than it is to maybe become a math professor but like you could be a really ambitious ambitious math professor right so i think reading could do that for kids too where it's like just exposing them to, to other careers and jobs and and whatnot yo not nah, that's so dope it's funny because i literally Number one, this is why I love pod, my podcast is because like I have a long list of just resourceful connect connections and 
Um, just looking at the list, and you made a very good point, and there's some things that we could definitely accomplish together, I could tell you that now, because what I do is I do a lot of SEO marketing, I get these people's emails, I literally did an automated blast yesterday to like 100 and something high schools, and now I got a couple just booked in the calendar, so either, you know, you go into these schools, you could do these workshops with these students, you could talk to these students, bring and like really just be like a little bit more hands-on engagement with them, I think that's, yeah. you know, that's great for you, I'm, I, I, I don't want to say, hey, I would love to see you do that, but Cole, I would really love to see you do that and say, damn, like, yo, that's dope because I, I want to, I know these kids have, these kids have stories to tell, right? These kids are so creative and I just strongly believe, because I have, a, I have a daughter, my daughter's about to be two in a couple of weeks, that they have this, when you know when you're a child, you have this, this imagination, right? This creativity, you have this innocence and you just think of all this random stuff and you yeah, put all yeah. of that on paper. Yeah. all that on paper and and let the kids tell the story i think that's beautiful man you can leave the charge like it, it, it's amazing because it it's of course it's a different target audience but it, it's definitely it's it's the future and they'll always look back at that like oh like i remember when i was seven and cole you know taught us how to write and because when you look at the educational system now as you mentioned we're the ones that have to do it, right? We're the one that's gonna have to go into the schools and have these workshops and be invited in to make sure that we're teaching these skills because what you're doing is you're not, it's not only a skill set, but that could be a career, a profession for these kids. That could be a business for these kids in the near future. So I'm inspired, but yo, it I fucking love this podcast, man. I'm getting hyped the more I go on because I'm like, I'm thinking out loud right now. And I just love, I love the fact that like you could find inspiration anywhere. You could find inspiration anywhere, even in, even in kids, even in podcasting. Just listening to your story now, I'm not trying to say like, oh, you make me feel like I'm not doing enough. You make me feel like we could do more, and that uh -huh. is that's like one of the best feelings in the world, man. Thanks, man. Yeah, I uh, I never want to, you know, I never want to. Um, like, I think there's all like I always want to inspire, not flex. You know, like and and so. Uh, I don't think anyone should listen to what I do or any, what anyone does and be like, Oh, I'm not doing enough, but more so like, man, that's like, let's just keep like doing cool shit, you know, and, and, and helping people when we can. And, and I think like, I'm like also like to be candid. I don't think I've done that enough in my career, you know, like trying to find ways to like give back. And, and so I, I do want to think of like, of ways like to do that more. And, and I think it can be simple, you know, like maybe that's like, there's a really cool reading uh, pencils of promise you know that like teaches kids how to read like maybe that's giving like a small percentage of like a project to to that organization like i think there's there's ways to give back you know um while also being ambitious and like not taking away from that desire where like you do want to make money you do want to um, um be in your career you do like it's okay to be ambitious you know i don't think uh it all has to be about like pro bono shit but once you get to this place where you're doing well i think there's there's this other thing of like uh, okay i'm doing well but like how can i like transition this into other people you know and, and that's still something i'm searching for but but yeah man like let me know about the those programs and are you doing that in person or are you doing it more via like uh zoom and and right now with like the pandemic and shit yeah you know good question because as i did the email yesterday i got two different responses right some some schools are opening those doors again other schools aren't so it's really all about you know what that district wants to do. Um, I reached out to schools in New York, and I, uh, I'm I live upstate New York, so I'm like borderline Connecticut oh, and New York. 
So yeah, yeah. Connecticut's telling me one thing. New York schools are telling me something completely different. And, um, you know, of course they want it to be as safe as possible, but with COVID and I know if this was Atlanta, we wouldn't have a problem, right? But with, yeah, Florida, really, man, Florida's open, <laughs> is completely open, dude. It really depends on the state at this point. It really depends on the state. But um, yeah, I, I, I like it not even just for the younger generation, but when I was in high school, I was in the Center for Writing program. I didn't like I I had no idea what, what I was doing at the time. Yeah. But yeah. um looking back at it, like th they don't have that program. They don't there's certain things that they don't they don't they no longer have in the school system, right? For example, when I was um when I went to high school, I graduated in 2010. I graduated in 2010 and they didn't even have vending machines back in the day, right? All of the kids, they allowed us to come in there and hustle, get a yeah. box of candy from BJ's, come in there and sell in the hallway. That shit's not allowed anymore. They got vending machines there. They're not teaching stocks anymore. They were teaching stocks when I was in school. They don't right. teach that stuff anymore. Um, they, they do agriculture here and there, but they had a program generally just for writing. It was called the Center for Writing Program. Um, shout out to Ms. Rykar. But, um, it, 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 you know, it was really dope because they gave us a book. We had to read it. We had to write how we felt about the book. And it was things like that. Like, it was those little things, but now looking back at it, I'm like, damn, what I took for granted then is what we need more of now. And maybe that's just the irony, right? So maybe yeah. I had to experience that and be unappreciative and ungrateful in that moment to be, you know, have a little bit more gratitude towards it now because they're not going to teach these kids taxes in school. They're not going to teach them stocks, real estate, how to write, yeah. copywriting, and the benefits of copywriting. Etc. Right. Etc. We understand that you could scale your business through email marketing and newsletters, right? I'm just listening. I'm listening to you speak, and I'm also thinking of if you put a product and a service, you freaking bow tie that shit in a newsletter, and you email it out with, with some really good words. You, you you know you got some traction there, right? You got some yeah. traction. You got some engagement going on there, and that's powerful. And not every business has that strong on writer. They don't have that copyrighted. They don't have they don't have that. I don't even have that. So right. now not having it kind of makes me say like, wait, hold on a minute. I think you understand, Cole. You yeah. understand. You yeah. understand. Yeah, man. For sure, dude. I think like uh, I've definitely seen the power in it just in, you know, being able to sell other people's products and services and also, you know, my own like uh, things that I've I've sold just and, and that is magic when you like write something that uh, compels people enough to turn around and go out and and buy that thing, you know, like that's, it's pretty, a, a pretty cool experience, you know, like here, uh, you know, I'll tell you like two stories, one, one more from like a profitable, like business side of them, one from like just a cool, like thing that like me and my subscribers did, but, uh, you know, from a business side, like, uh, <clears throat> my, my brother and I kind of noticed like with the pandemic, um, and, you know, as things have gotten super remote, uh, it just feels like there's not a lot of, uh, good online communities like a lot of them kind of feel like people uh people like get on in their facebook groups and it's a lot of like self-promotion and so he and i launched uh, something called the a team uh literally yesterday uh and it's um just going to be a 250 person slack group uh and we're charging uh we're kind of doing tiered pricing so 50 dollars a month for the first 50 75 dollars a month for like the next 25 and then like the remainder a hundred bucks a month. And the idea is like, you come in there as like a blossom as a budding copywriter, right? You're just like kind of getting into the game. Uh, I can like kind of help them with like 
throwing them leads, you know, we're like, oh, I'm too busy to take on this client. Like, here's a lead. Um, and also like share insight, you know, on like how I've gotten to, to where I am right now in my career. And then my brother, Connor Schaefer, who is just a super talented, uh, like full stack marketer. So he knows everything from like paid ads to SEO to, uh, you know, crazy growth hacks. Like he's made less creative than I am, very technically sound. He's able to kind of help them like, hey, think bigger than copywriting, like create your own business, like roll out a product. And anyways, like we launched yesterday and I wrote uh, like a really bad board and we filled up 50 spots at $50. Uh, a spot, you know, within uh, seven or eight hours, you know, and like, uh, obviously that's like not changing the world, but like, oh, and it was just done off like the back of a couple uh, really solid emails. So like, that's one side on like the, the business side. Another uh, story is when I was um, uh, vacationing in um, Park City, Utah, which is like right out of Salt Lake City, right outside Salt Lake City. It's like a great ski town. I walked into this, um, a coffee shop that was super, super dope, like huge windows. And I walked up to the cashier and I noticed, oh, like the 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 barista um was um a, like slightly I want to know like the technical term for it, but I, I'm gonna use the term uh disabled, right? Um she had she had uh Down syndrome. Um and then I saw the other barista and the other barista also had Down syndrome. And I was like, oh, wow, this is, this is, this is, uh, interesting. And they were like super, super sweet, made, made a great cup of coffee. And I saw a plaque like on the back of the coffee shop that said that this coffee shop only employs, um, people with disabilities who either have disabilities and it's a nonprofit and it just employs, um, these, these individuals in the area teaches them how to like become baristas and like work a job. And like, uh, and it was just such a cool uh, program. And I sent out a quick email to my, to my email list, like, yo, they don't even know who we are, but let's just try to make, give them like the biggest tip we possibly can. And so they had online, they had like a little PayPal link where you could donate. And literally like in 24 hours, my subscribers and I were able to drum up like 2,500 to $3,000 just in tips, like for, for this, for this coffee shop. Right. And I think that that's, that's another thing to keep in mind with copywriting. It's like, there's, there's one side of it where, um, like, let's be honest, we all like making money, right? We all like having nice things. We all like putting our money to, to good work. And like, we like selling products and services and like doing that whole thing. Copywriting is great for that. Right. But it can also be used. Other thing. Oh, I saw this really cool movement. Um, or I saw this, 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 this thing that deserves attention. I saw this really badass coffee shop that's employing, um, people with disabilities, let's give it a little bit of attention. Right. And if you can craft words in the right way, not only does it allow you to change your life, but it also allows you to maybe, uh, applaud and kind of parade the organizations that deserve it. You know, so that's, that's, I think like the power of copywriting. Oh, that's dope, man. It's dope. Uh, All right. So in closing, what I want to ask you is what is the power message for the audience today? The power message for the audience, man, that's a big responsibility kind of leaving me with the, the final word. I want to make sure I, I do a good job. Um, Hmm. 
Yeah, I think so. I think uh, what what I'll say today is um, always like always always zoom out, like always be prepared to to zoom out on your life a little bit. Um, I think sometimes I'll, like whether it's unhappiness, uh, whether it's sadness, whether it's not feeling fulfilled with your career, it kind of comes from this place inside of ourselves where we're all prone to become like, treat ourselves a little bit like, like victims or like kind of get into the woe is me mindset or the, Oh, I got a bad hand or, um, Oh, life's not fair right now. And, and I, I definitely like have a habit of doing that. Like, um, I've, like I mentioned earlier, you know, I've been battling like a really nasty, uh, flu and chest cold and sinus infection for the past, like, you know, seven or eight days. And, the other night I woke up with just a terrible ear infection after I thought like I was healed. And I, uh, for a second was like, literally like so pissed off about it. And I was like, what, like, what the fuck did I do to, to, to deserve this? And, um, and I was really letting it like kind of fuck up my psyche a little bit, you know, where, um, I, I felt like started getting anxious about getting behind on projects and work and like my brother and I had that launch coming up. So like I wanted, you know, I just was, was struggling. And, um, I think that the, there, there's always an opposite energy or emotion for like a negative emotion. Um, for example, like I think when we're feeling, uh, this emotion of woe is me or like a victimization or like a, uh, you know, I have it bad. The opposite emotion of that is gratitude, right? And I think like we can express gratitude by genuinely like finding things that we can be grateful about, you know, and like, that's something I try to constantly practice in my life. Like when I told the story of, you know, my, my, uh, my teammate where like, uh, once, once you, once you experience something like that, right. And, and you see someone who with that much talent, like just have like be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Right. You, you now have permission with yourself to like even be grateful for like, wow, like I'm so lucky to, to like be in this position where I'm still alive, you know, at like 27. Um, like when I woke up with a sinus infection, like as soon as, or an ear infection and like I had to make an appointment with the doctor and I was like super like uh, all upset about that and, and shitty, like I uh, turned and like, this is my, my pet, uh, uh, my adopted pit bull June. Right. And like, I'm super grateful for having her, um, you know, like I, after, after college, I started losing my hair like crazy, you know, and I started balding. Um, and, it, and I was super sad and like bummed and like it fucked up my, uh, my, my confidence a ton, but I tried to find like other things to be grateful about. Like, Hey, I can grow a pretty badass beard. You know, I, I can uh, control like how my body looks. I can go for runs. I can work out. Like I can be grateful for like being able to, to control that aspect of me. So, so yeah, that's, that's something that I would just like encourage everyone to, to do, especially at a time like this, when we're living in a world where it is so easy to feel like the victim because we all are victims right now with, with COVID and the pandemic and like people losing jobs and people's family members dying. And like, like every, every one of us have like a story. We all have a story that like, if we told it, everyone would be like, you know what? Like that fucking sucks. Like you deserve to be sad about that. I think like what emotion we should put more fuel and power behind is like, okay, with all these bad things happening, what are some things we can be really grateful for? 
And I think like, as long as we're zooming out and like getting away from just ourselves a little bit and, and finding things to be grateful for, like our, the family members that, that have made it, the, 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 the job opportunity that came after the big job loss, um, like that great relationship, whatever. Um, I just think it could have like a really tremendous impact, like on our happiness. Um, and I'm not going to say it could change the world, but I think it could change, change our days, you know, at least change like our individual years, you know, cause it's, it, it has been a shitty year. So, um, or I guess last year was shitty, but, but yeah, just zoom out and be grateful. Go to the St. Clair Speak Show podcast. Don't forget, you could stream this episode and all episodes of the St. Clair Speak Show podcast. Now streaming on iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Radio Public. You could watch this full-on interview from YouTube from start to finish. This is the St. Clair Speak Show. I'm out. I'll see you guys in the next one. Peace.